on City Hope. Good to see you. I want to say uh, welcome to the Mobile campus, Foley, Baymanette, the men at Holman. Thanks for being with us this weekend. I want to say to the ladies and all the volunteers uh, a big thank you. The Unique Conference was probably the most incredible conference we've had at our church. It was just outstanding. Can we give all these people a big hand? Uh, Friday evening I was hiding in here because there were 1,400 women. Uh, so I was hiding, but I am telling you the energy in this place. If I had been the speaker, we would still be speaking. It was incredible, uh, and you'll, you're going to see, I didn't think about this the earlier service, uh, you're, you're going to see in a minute why that was true. So uh, guys, just buckle up. It's, it's good, though, okay? So anyway, great conference, and what is so unique, um, this weekend is our 18th anniversary of City Hope Church. We're 18 years old, so it's a big happy birthday. Yeah. Jerry and I have been off uh, for the month of April. We take a month off every year, and we've had a great time. Uh, we missed you guys. Uh, we miss the grandkids more, but we do miss you. So it's good to be back. And I want to say you, I know you were in good hands as far as the pulpit's concerned. Trey Siri was incredible. He did an incredible job. I've received all kind of compliments, and, and that's the way it should be. Uh, my dad was a pastor 60 years, and he always said the next generation should have double the anointing, double. And so he has that, and i got to get a little credit out of, you know, how good he was, but he has that. <laughs> I'm his dad. And, and, you know, and somebody said, a lot of people don't even know that Trey is our son, but Trey is our oldest son. And, of course, he gets his giftings from his mother, so that's, that's how it all rolls out. So he did a great job. Uh, while we were off, we were actually, we had a, our first 5K race here at City Hope, Race for Hope. It was incredible. You guys blew the top off of it. Our first race, 570 participants. That's incredible. Yeah. And because of that, all 800 children in Honduras are going to get a new pair of shoes because of your participation and our generous supporters, uh, sponsors for the race. Uh, we have some other things that we're going to be doing there the end of May. We'll show you what those are when we come back. But because of your generosity, there's a lot more we're going to be able to do with some kids and a school and different things. So thank you so much for doing that. I know some of you, 5K was easy. Some of you walked. Some of you crawled. But uh, anyway, you, you finished. That was the main thing. So we're really excited about that. Well, I want to start a series this weekend, and I want to share four messages on the mystery of marriage. And before I start, I, I, I want to tell you my why behind the series. But, and and I, this, this so doesn't fit me at all. If you've been here long, you'll know. But, but this, I just have to do it. Then I'll try to worm my way out of it, how it fits, okay? So I want to tell you a story. There's a woman, I'm not going to call any names, accompanying her husband to the doctor's office. He has all these tests, and he has this checkup, and then the doctor calls the wife into the office alone. And he said, your husband is suffering from a very serious disease combined with horrible stress. So if you don't follow, uh, you, you know, your, my instructions, your husband's going to die. And so here's what I want you to do. Every morning, fix him a healthy breakfast and, and be pleasant. And be sure he is in a good mood all day long. Make sure his dinner, the meals are prepared just what he wants. Never discuss your problems with him. That'll add to his stress. Relax, try to relax your husband every evening with a back rub. 
and encourage him to watch his favorite sports event on TV every, as often as possible. And most importantly, be sure to be intimate with him anytime he desires. So the lady leaves the office, gets in the car with her husband, and the husband says, well, well what, what did he say? You're going to die. I've gotten more response out of that than I did the whole sermon, okay, <laughs> relating that to it. But here's how I relate it to it. We, we, we've all heard mar- messages on marriage, and, and we've all had problems in our marriage, and some of you may be having problems right now, and some of you haven't gotten married yet because, you know, you're afraid of this and that. I understand. But, but so many believers are at the point of giving in and throwing in the towel and say, it's going to die. Or even some of you hanging the sign, you know, it, it's dead. No resuscitation is necessary. The first message I've entitled, Begin with the End in Mind. It'll make more sense at the end of the message, okay? So uh, I want, before I get into this, I know it's a lot of introduction, but I hadn't been around here for a while, so I I need to, I want you to do something for me, okay? So I'm going to put you on the spot. I want you to, first, I I want you to try to make all the messages live. I know you can hear them online, and that's good, and that's when you're out of town and busy. I understand all that. But I really want you to, especially those of you who are serving, you serve one week, you're off. I I want you to try to make this this very important. Find your campus and and be there. Secondly, I want you to do something else for me. Because here's how I, when I look out, here's how I see people. Uh, Every weekend we have sheep and fish in our services. Most churches fish with sheep food. But because sheep don't like fish food. But we have to feed the sheep. I understand that. And we have all these things, and most of, most of you are pretty healthy. But we also have to fish for fish. Well, how do you do that? We fish for what they're hungry for. Every good fisherman knows you're not catching fish unless you fish for what they're going to bite, what they're hungry for. So, so listen, except for the gospel, marriage is the most important message in the world. It's the number one felt need in every community in our world. All of the young and all of the old want relationship. Marriage relationship is our DNA. God made us this way. People in church need marriage. People outside of church need marriage. It's a big deal. So I want you to help me invite people, married people, divorced people, single people, never married before, all that. Come hear this series. And you can start by inviting them next weekend. I know it's Mother's Day. It'll be a mom's message, of course. And, but it'll be a great weekend to kind of introduce them and get them to come and commit. And then the next weekend, I'll get back into the series. So I, I want to ask you, how many of you will do your best to commit to coming to the service and inviting friends and family to this series, Mystery of Marriage? Okay, that's better than the last group. Uh, all of you who raised your hand, would you join me? I want us to pray for those who didn't raise their hands that the fleas of a thousand camels will infest their bed this week. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. The substance of this series is drawn on Paul's met passage in Ephesians 5. And we're going to look at how that passage connects and expounds on the most important, one of, another important uh, text on marriage, and that's in Genesis 1 and 2. So from the very beginning of this series, we, from the Bible, we are defining marriage as a lifelong monogamous relationship between a man and a woman. According to the Bible, God devised marriage to reflect his saving love, to, to refine our character, to create stable human community for the birth and the nurturing of children, And to accomplish all this, he brings the complementary sexes together, male and female, 
into this whole life union. So it also needs to be said that God's vision for marriage is not something that can be realized between two people of the same sex. And, and I'm going to touch on this more in this series. I'm going to show you something from the scripture that will just make a whole lot of sense, okay? So the teachings we're looking at today and in this series, that's a challenge because in our Western culture, this narrative of, of individual freedom is the only way to be happy. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into that more later. But the Bible's teaching on marriage doesn't merely reflect the perspective of just a culture at some timeline. The, the biblical authors who taught this, they, they had constant challenges in their own cultures when they're, when they're teaching this. So we can't write off the biblical view of marriage as one-dimensional or culturally obsolete. The Bible, on the contrary, is full of the most practical and realistic insights about marriage that bring the promises of marriage to fulfillment. And unless you're able to look at marriage through the lens of Scripture, instead of your personal fears or your doubts or your romanticism or, or even your particular experience that you've encountered or, or through your culture's narrow perspective, you won't be able to make intelligent decisions about your own marital future. You just can't do it. That's why our country's all over the board. It's all, it's all over the place. Paul said in Ephesians 5.31, he's going to quote Genesis. He said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 32, this is a great mystery. This is a great mystery because I speak concerning Christ and the church. So it's not surprising to me that people today in the 21st century, when you read that Paul's discourse on marriage, that maybe you relate to it like this. And you're thinking, okay, sometimes I just fall into bed after a long day of trying to understand, trying to get along, trying to, and you just sigh and you think, man, this marriage is a profound mystery. I don't know how we've gotten this far. I don't know how we exist together. Or maybe you think like this, at times your marriage seems to be an unsolvable, mysterious puzzle, and you're not sure where the pieces are or where they're going or how they fit, and you're just frustrated with it. See, I believe that there's not a relationship between a human being on earth that's greater than, more important than a marriage, human to human. In the Bible, God himself officiates the first wedding, and man, when he sees the woman, he says, at last. Thank you, God, at last. I'm, I'm through with the animals. So everything in the Bible proclaims that marriage, it, next to our relationship to God, is the most profound relationship there is. And here's why. It is the most painful, and it is also the most wonderful relationship. And that's the biblical understanding of marriage. Over the last 40 years, the leading marriage indicators of marriage health and satisfaction has been in a steady decline. Not only is divorce rate remaining high, but also fewer and fewer people are getting married. They're choosing to live together. And today in our culture, an increasing weariness and pessimism about marriage is in our culture, especially among the younger adults, the, the millennials. And, and, and so I'm going to give you more into their insight of how they see things. Because to help them and understand, we have to know how they think. The younger adults believe that their, their chances of having a good marriage are not great because even if they were in a, in a marriage that's stable, in their view, there's this horrifying prospect that it could become sexually boring because they've heard statements like this from, from comedian Chris Rock who said, do, do you want to be single and lonely or do you want to be married and bored? So a lot of young adults think, well, that's the only two options. 
And now they're, they're, they're aiming for something in the middle between married and, 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 and this just a sexual encounter, and it's called cohabitation with a partner. And this practice has grown to where today more than half of all people live together before they get married. So and, and another thing that stems cohabitation is a common response from those who have experienced their own parents' painful divorce. It's very common for a couple that they've gone through this as a child that they're, they're going to go to cohabitation because like, man, I, I want this thing to work. I don't want it. I want to get it right. And the main reason young people are weary of marriage and leery is because their perception of most couples is most couples married are unhappy. That, that's their perception, this younger generation. So here, here's my question. Why did God make marriage? Have you ever thought about why did he make marriage? Now, and, and you know, I, I, there's a lot of reasons. I'm just going to focus on one today. And, 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 here, and, and it's really, it's the number one reason God made marriage. And here it is. To reflect God's nature and image on earth. To mirror God's nature and image on the earth. You remember in Genesis where God said, let us make man in our image. The next verse in Genesis 1:27, God's created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. He created him, and then he created them. Now, I need some help to do this, uh, to get the rest of this message out, so I'm, I'm going to ask for some help. So for the first time here at City Hope Church, if you guys would come on out, I want to introduce to you for the first time, many of you have not met them. Uh, this is Adam and Eve. <laughs> Adam and Eve. And so what, what, what did God do? God came along, and what did he do? He created him. And then he created Eve, and he put them together. Now, here's a question for you. So does the woman still have the image of God? I mean, we, we know he did him, but them. The, does a woman still have the image of God? Fourteen people, and they were all women. <laughs> yes, women are made in the image of God. So, guys, one more time, I'll ask the question so you can bounce back. Do you think women are made in the image of God? Okay, that's good. You saved yourself. Okay. Here's why. There is a maternal side to God. The Bible says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Husbands has the role of Christ. But women and the Holy Spirit have the same name in the Bible. It's the name helper. God named her helper. In the Hebrew, it's the word atzer. And, and this word in the Hebrew, it has a very unique meaning. It means the power to accomplish a task in supplying what is lacking. So God creates Adam He's naming all the animals, and he looks and says, this is not good. He doesn't need to be alone, so I'm going to create him a helper who has the power to accomplish a task in supplying what is lacking. And all the women should be shouting hallelujah. <laughs> and remember, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, the two things that he brings into your life, he gives you the power to complete the task Jesus called you to complete, and he supplies what's lacking for you to complete that task. I am not saying, so don't hear me say it, I know what I'm saying, sometimes I don't know what you hear, I am not saying the Holy Spirit is a she. I'm saying that women are made in the image of God, and there is a maternal side to this that is so important that we understand because the man is the type of Christ, the woman needs to be the type of the Holy Spirit. 
And, and, and you think about it, you, you think about it, how mothers minister to their children. And you think about how a dad, you know, it's, it's kind of cut and dry in this. I mean, when you fell and got a bobo, you didn't run to daddy, you run to mama most of the time. The way they minister. So men and women both represent the image of God. Now, to, to complete this and move on, I've got to have a little more help. So I, today, for the first time, I, I'd like for the, the next guys, the group to come out because today we actually have with us at City Hope, all the campuses we have at City Hope, we have the Trinity. Here's the Father. You have to wear glasses now, huh? Okay. Here's the Son. Just like dad, wearing glasses. And here's the Holy Spirit, okay? The Jewish Bible, this is, this is called Elohim. El means God. The I am is the masculine plural. So here's, here's what that means. It means that our creator, Elohim, God in the plural, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the first thing they want to do, after all this creation stuff done, they wanted to make marriage, but they wanted marriage in their image. Genesis 1 is an overview of creation. Genesis 2 are the details of creation. So Elohim made Adam first. Remember, we already talked about it. He made him, made Adam first. And then he said, okay, Adam, go name all of the animals. After naming the animals, Elohim said in Genesis 2.18, and the Lord said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him so, so watch if you will uh, Adam step up right here okay so Elohim creates Adam does Adam look like that this it's not a trick no okay okay then God creates Eve them Th does this look like this no so what, what do we have? We, 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 we're, we're missing something. So I, 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 need, I need another helper. So God, would you come out here? God's usually here, but today he's up here. So hey, God, there he comes. Now, God did not create marriage to be between a, a, a woman and a man. He created marriage to be between a man and a woman and God. That is the image. So, does this look like this? Oh, yes, it does. Type of Christ, type of the Holy Spirit, God the Father. So, here, this, this is the picture, and, 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 and really, you, you look at it like this, because when, when God stepped into the middle, he actually moved to the Garden of Eden, and he's living with Adam and Eve. He's walking with them. He's talking with them. And so what you have is you have this triune relationship, three in one Godhead. Now you have a triune relationship. You have a a man and a woman, and God is in the middle. So now you, you have this true picture of a relationship because, you, you see, God has this thing called marriage math, and marriage math is two plus one equals one. Two plus one equals one. And, and here, here's what when he said, and the two shall become one flesh. Listen, you cannot have oneness and unity 
unless God is in the middle. You can't do it. And here's why. Because if Adam and Eve step up one, if, if it's Adam and Eve and God's not in the middle, here's what it is. It's flesh and flesh. When I pull God and he's in the middle, his spirit's in the middle, now it's spirit to spirit, spirit to spirit. Now it's heart to heart. Now it's not, a, it's not about my flesh grinding against somebody else's flesh and my personality. No, 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 no. Now the spirit's in the middle of it. And so that, that is actually the picture of unity. And that, that's, that's the triune picture of three-in-one relationship. This is the image that God wanted on the earth. Okay? Now, I, to complete this, i got to have one more group, okay? So you guys will step back one. Let, let, let me get, i got one more group here. They'll come on out, guys. Now, this lady represents the church, the bride of Christ. The church was birthed by the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The church is made up of everyone who calls Jesus Lord of their lives. It's not a denomination. When you became a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit enters your life. She represents the church, the living church. Now, here's where we are, though. We're in this glorious eternity. Jesus is over here. This is the glorified Jesus. I know he looks a little different than what you thought. He doesn't have the long white beard and all of that, but didn't have time to grow it. So, listen, this is the glorified Jesus. So what is he doing? Because he, he's not here. He sent the Holy Spirit. And he, he, Jesus said, hey, I, I, I've got to go, and I, I've got to go because my father has you know, many mansions. I've got to get something prepared so you can come and be where I am. So what's he doing? He's, he's working in the Father's house preparing a place for us. Why? What's, what's going to happen is, in the end, the church is going to go to heaven, and the church is going to be the bride of Christ. So look, look at what you have. You have the beginning and you have the end. And God knows the end from the beginning. So what he wants to replicate and reflect in here in Elohim is on earth. This is a reflection of who they are and for people to get there in the future in heaven this is the biggest drawing attraction you can have so God knows the end from the beginning and sometimes as church people we we don't realize how important we are and how God has exalted us as the church we're going to be the bride of his son for eternity this is the picture. See, th this is the picture in the beginning. This is the picture in the end. What does God want? He wants the same picture on earth, in the natural. Why? Because th th there's, there's so many reasons, but, but Paul says in Ephesians 5, this was a mystery, and, 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 and you know, Christ married to the church. But then the Holy Spirit pulled the curtain back for Paul to show us 
in the beginning, Elohim, let us make man in our image. He created male and female, and then God came in the midst of them, created marriage, a triune relationship, the most important relationship on the earth. It's a foundational relationship in society because, listen, everything God's going to do in society is coming through here. Everything that's going to happen in society is going to come through there. That's how God designed it. So the mystery God declared is the end from the beginning. Our triune God said our triune relationship with earth is going to reflect my image on earth. I want this image burned into your mind. And here's why. When we talk about marriage, this is what the devil doesn't want you to understand. That's why this first message in this series, and you're going to see this imagery all the way through. I want you to have a visual. This is what the enemy does not want you to see. He, you, you, you have to understand. Here's why. Because he has dedicated his, his, his task to destroying this. And how does he do it? If he can get God out of this, Father, step back. And then if he can mix this up and divide this up and put something else here and whatever, then what does the world see? They don't see the image. And they're going to miss this. So his scheme, you, you, you have to understand, there's only one group of people who can stop him, and that's the church of Jesus Christ. Listen, we're the, we're, we're the only people who can build this. In fact, we're the only people who really care about this. Your culture doesn't care. Your government doesn't care. No, only ones who care about this are true believers. We're the only people who can get this. And, and don't get mad at the government because they, they can't do it. They can't take our place. Only the church can fix this. We are the church of Jesus Christ, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. So watch, God created Adam. We have no record of the devil going berserk after he created Adam. Genesis 2. Genesis 3 comes along. God moves into the garden. He marries them. Now we have the image. And in Genesis 3, Satan goes berserk. So, so here's what I'm saying. Genesis 3 is not just the record of the fall of man. If that were true, Satan would have attacked Adam as soon as God made him. But there's a long time before, before Eve comes along. He's got to name all the animals. He's got to track them down. He's in the Eden. He's got to find them. Genesis 3 is a record of the fall of marriage. He attacked marriage. He hates marriage. He hates your marriage. He hates my marriage. He hates marriage in our church, all over the earth. Why? Because it looks like God. This looks like God. And he knows what looks like God. And, and, and listen, understand, God knows the end from the beginning. So if we have the picture, this looks like God. Well, what's so significant about this picture? It's because when it looks like God, it has God's anointing. And Satan hates God's anointing. You know why he hates the anointing? You want the anointing on your marriage? It's got to look like this. God's got to be in the middle. The Holy Spirit's got to be in the middle of it. You know why he hates the anointing? Because the anointing is the only thing that can shut him down and stop him. And he hates marriage. He despises it. 
And if he can divide that up, then people are not seeing the true image of God. Therefore, remember what I said about fish being hungry? They're hungry. They're desperate. And the world, society, everything it's doing, it can't satisfy. Why? Because God didn't make us that way. All this stuff that's out there and single and all this, and we'll talk about it more in the series, it doesn't satisfy. So what, the only thing that's really going to satisfy this is this. And the beauty of it is, is once you're satisfied with this, you're going to live in this for eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, not 70, 80 years, forever and ever and ever. Can we give these guys a big hand? Thank you. Have you ever noticed that romantic novels and movies usually focus on the beginning of the love story? And then maybe at the end of the book or maybe at the end of the movie you see or feel or read, they live happily ever after. I mean, a wonderful beginning is the easy part. The work, hard work comes in crafting the middle of the story and the end of the story. It's evident in our culture that this lopsided obsession with how love stories begin. A couple will spend and go out of bounds with countless hours and dollars planning their wedding, but they spend very little time or dollars mapping out their future and their plans and after, what they're, after the ceremony. And, and this, is, this is kind of the image that I have of that. Imagine a couple, they just got married, and someone's paying for their honeymoon, and they're getting on a plane, but they don't know where they're going. They get on a plane and they fly, and, and they're thinking they're going somewhere, they're flying on a long trip, and they're going to go somewhere to this warm climate, beautiful beach, island, wherever. And so they brought beach clothes and a light sweater, maybe cool at night, and after hours, they arrive at their destination, and they discover they've landed in Nepal. They get off the plane, someone meets them, and they think, oh, we were, thought we were going to a tropical honeymoon. They discover, no, you're going to hike up Mount Everest. They're clearly not prepared. They're not prepared physically to take just a treacherous, hazardous journey, so they turn around, get on the plane, and go home. Many view marriage as a trip to the beach. Marriage is more like a trip to the mountaintop. It's rewarding. It's exhilarating. It's hard work. And if you think this illustration may be a little simple or childish, the mortality rate of marriage is actually higher, 25 times higher than that of the climbers of Everest. And here's why. The Everest climbers are so much more successful than marriage couples. Let me show you why. Because they have a vision for their journey. They know where they're going. They know what to expect. They're not shocked when they encounter thinner air. They're not caught off guard by freezing temperatures. And they're not, they're not staggering by the, the relentless winds. And too many marriages fail because of unrealistic expectations. No vision. Because of all of the negative. Because of all of the complaining. Because of all of the tracking. And all of these things. But you see, what we've just learned from this illustration, we have to begin with the end in mind. God did. Why can't you? Why can't you see your marriage? Yeah, but we've been married this long. No, 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 no. You can, you can turn it around. God will help you turn it around. God will help you repair it. God will, if you will see that this, is, this picture in the middle, that God wanted this image, if you will see that you can obtain that, then you have the favor of God, the resources of God that are going to help you climb the mountain to achieve. Listen, we're, we're obsessed with this 
happily ever after beach marriage. If you've been married any length of time, it takes work. There's bumps. The air gets thin. The winds get strong. But listen, we have a young generation that's listening to the culture and saying what I taught today is old school and out of, out of focus. It's not. It's God's plan. And God's plan, it, it, it never changes. It's the same. And here's what I want us to do. I want us as a church, we, we focused on marriage, and, but we're, we're going we're gonna to turn the, the dials up a little bit. Because I think so many of you have marriages that you have, you, you've been up that mountain, and you, you've got a mountaintop, you've been married, but you can help some of these younger people. I really believe that. Because you see, here's what I've experienced, because I, I want to take this away. I've experienced a lot of people who come for help for marriage that it's almost too late, like there's, there's too much pride or secrecy. They don't want to tell anybody, and they're almost going down for the last time, and it's almost, well, man, why didn't you talk to somebody sooner? Why didn't you talk about it? Had somebody talk, tell me, you know, that this has been going on for years and years and years, and now you're just, now you're telling me? So I want to make it easy for somebody to help you. I want to make it easy for us to help you. We, we have all the things that we do. We're going to add more to it. Why? Because I'm telling you, the bottom line of what I just showed you is there is Jesus is coming back and we the church is going to marry him and be the bride of Christ forever and ever and ever that is going to happen and if people don't see this in your marriage there's no appetite and no hunger for that you understand so you can't just preach with cheap food because fish don't like sheep food. And then sometimes sheep, they don't want fish food if they're not kingdom-minded, if, if they're not outside of the box. I'm telling you, you have family, you have friends, you may have neighbors. And there may be many of you sitting here and you're thinking, e -e -e, this is going on, that's going on, it can't change. I am telling you that by God's Word and His Holy Spirit, it can be restored, it can be healed, it can become that picture what God wants don't give up don't say oh, you're gonna die don't say this is dead fight for it ask God God I can't do this without you and, and, and listen I want you to experience this the picture of the sinner. Today it's the Holy Spirit. I, I want you to experience. I, I don't want you just to see the visual. The visual is going to stick. But I want you to experience it spiritually in your marriage. So if you're here and you're not, you're not a believer. If you're here and your spouse isn't and you are or vice versa. And, 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 and you're here and, and God's not even in the center of this. And today is the day where you, you want to start that. You, you, you want to get him into the center of this. You want him center of your life. Because you can't get to unity. You can't get to the promises. You can't see the covenant fulfilled. You can't see all these blessings unless you are in this thing together and God is right in the middle of it. So if that's you, in a moment, a pastor will come and invite you to come get your house in order, this house. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for the gift of marriage. And Lord, whatever we need to be free from that would cause us to perceive our marriage incorrectly, 
Lord, Lord, change our thinking because we're going to miss out on the blessings of marriage. Lord, give us a new heart that's soft and sensible and, and sensitive to your touch. Lord, give us eyes to see marriage the way you see it. Let our eyes, what we've seen today, let the scales fall off. Let us see this and capture this and, and help me to believe for the best and not the worst in marriage. Help us to put you in the middle of all we do. And thank you, Father, for planning marriage from the beginning with the end in mind. Amen. God bless you.